You're listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. If you want to listen to us in real time, you can stream our show live weekdays at 9 a.m. Central. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. This is NPR News. Coming up is child care killing your household budget? What Washington wants to do about it. But first, we're beginning our Tuesday morning with the political junkie. Hi, Ken. Good to talk to you again. How are you? Good morning, Carrie. Uh, Ken, this isn't the first time. I just want to ask you about child care since we're going to be talking about that. This is not the first time that reforming child care, making it more available to more families has been on the political agenda. It seems to come up during election years. Why doesn't anything get done in the interim? Do you have a do you have a sense of that? I you know, you know, when I when I look at top issues that lawmakers are, are discussing about to uh, work on and, and, and consult with other uh, members of Congress over Child care does not seem to be on that list. It seems to be on everybody's, on every voter's list of things that, that, that it's a concern. It's a, it's a pocketbook issue. It's a lifestyle issue. It's a, it's a concern because, you know, the, I mean, one needs to survive with, with child care while they're going out and earning a business. But, um, but it's not a, it's never been a political issue. And as this, political campaign gets underway, it seems to be pushed further and further away from the top headlines. Yeah, I mean, uh, Hillary Clinton talked about it last time. President Trump actually talked about it. Ivanka Trump on the campaign trail talked about it, and then it fizzled. So I'm glad it's back on on the agenda. I hope it sticks. But as as you are right, usually when you see polling, even though voters care about this, it doesn't end up like in the top five issues. And we know candidates respond to that, don't we? But that's yes, that's true. But even if it, it even if it wound up in the top five issues, what gets done anyway? We're talking about right. gun legislation has always been in the top five. Immigration has been in the top five. And yet ultimately, what has been done to to solve these issues, these problems? So, you know, whether it's in the top five, the top thousand, uh, what Congress will get done and decide to get done are completely different things. Can you and I usually talk about who is getting into the Democratic nomination race for president? But I want to talk to you this morning about who isn't. Michael Bloomberg, Sherrod Brown, and a couple of others have said they won't run. Does that signal anything to you about kind of who's in the race, how the race is shaping up, and who is still being waited on with the names of Biden and Beto. Right. Well, obviously, the killer bees we're waiting for, even <laughs> Steve Bullock, another bee, the governor of Montana, he's a butte, uh, but there's also talk about him running, too. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. so, yeah, th- yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, but, uh, but, but look, but look the, the, the Michael Bloomberg thing was always iffy to begin with. Remember when he was elected mayor of New York City in 2001, he left the Democratic Party to run as a Republican. While he was in office, he switched to an independent. And then after he left office, he became a Democrat. Uh, He considers himself a moderate in a party that is certainly less moderate than it was four years ago and certainly uh, back in 2001 when he first elected mayor. So I don't know how much of an appetite there was for Michael Bloomberg. I think we already have enough billionaires in politics <laughs> is the sense that a, a lot of people have. But he does have a lot of – he is very strong on a lot of issues, especially gun violence that I think that uh, he could have had an interesting voice on. On Sharon Brown, 
I mean, that was also interesting because if the Democrats are going to win, one theory is that they need to do well in the industrial Midwest, especially in states that elected um, Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. That is, the, you know, the Wisconsin's, the Michigan's, the Iowa, the Ohio's, uh, uh, Pennsylvania's. We need a, a candidate who does well. And we still don't know if voters wouldn't, won't vote, didn't want to vote for a woman, woman or the woman, mm. Hillary Clinton in mm-hmm. 2016. Yeah. So there was a lot of talk about, well, maybe a white, a white. I can't believe we're singling out white candidates as either a plus or a minus. When Beto O'Rourke, who's, who may be visiting Iowa this weekend, he's one of the people, he and Biden, I think, are the top two we're waiting on. But when, when people are criticizing Beto O'Rourke, they say, well, he's a white male. <laughs> I mean, Given the history of this country and the, the presidential candidates, criticizing somebody for being a white male is pretty ironic, but that's what's happened in politics lately. If you have a question for Ken on who is or isn't in the Democratic nomination race, or I, there's been some rumblings about challenging President Trump in a Republican primary, 651 or if you're curious about what's going on with Congress or not going on, 800-242-2828. And you get a question in here on Twitter at Carrie NPR. Ken, are you pretty convinced that it's just a matter of time before Joe Biden makes the announcement? He's speaking this morning. CNN's running big headlines about as we right, as America waits. Yes. Uh, <laughs> is, is America is waiting? Is there a <laughs> countdown of. clock? Yeah. I mean, I mean you know, uh, Biden his time, right? I mean, that actually, that was a button he used in 1987. Really? Biden his time. And uh. of course, Biden his time seems to be the thing that we went through in 2016 and going in in 2020. He's already announced that his family is all on board. It's now up to him. I'm not convinced he runs. I mean, of course, it, look, everybody says, well, he has to announce now. He has to announce now. Of course, he doesn't. He has certainly has to announce before the debates begin in June. Right. But uh, but but if there's all this hemming and hawing, you just wonder about the fire in the belly. And, you know, being 76 years old, 77 years old, this is, um, I, again, I don't want to sound ageist, but when you have such a young field of candidates running around and, and be showing to be very energetic, uh, you wonder if he can stay up with it. Plus the fact that I mean, and 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 um, Cynthia Nixon, the uh, the Democratic activist, uh, um, wrote an, uh, an op-ed in the Washington Post the other day because Joe Biden, who likes to like everybody, and he does seem to like everybody, he told he said that Mike Pence is a, something like a great guy, you know, or, or, or a noble guy. And Cynthia Nixon went berserk and said, "Look, <laughs> Mike Pence has the most anti, you know, LGBTQ record in history, and here we have the." Former Vice President Joe Biden praising him, so so it's very nice to be talk across the aisle. That's what Americans say they want. They want somebody who could, you know, lower the the, they the, the tone, say that uh, the anger. It's they not say how that, they right. vote, right? Well, that's well, that's, that's what we have to see. So I'm not convinced Biden runs, and and I'm not convinced. The welcome. Look, everybody has great feelings about Joe Biden. He was a very successful and loyal vice president for eight years under Barack Obama. 
But remember, he ran for president twice before 1987, 2008, did disastrous, uh, disastrously both times. Yeah. Now, of course, that was before he became the beloved and crazy Uncle Joe. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> you know, you're, you're putting your finger on something that's interesting. I think there was a piece, uh, I can't remember, maybe the Washington Post, uh, about whether Biden's affability, right, this hail fellow well-met kind of demeanor, is right for this time around, given the the anger and the polarization and the tribalism that we see in politics? I think it's a good question. Let me grab a call, uh, Ken, for you from Michelle in Minneapolis. Hi, Michelle. What are you curious about? Well, I'm curious about uh, Amy Klobuchar's chances and wondering if Ken thinks that Sherrod Brown not getting into the race helps her. And also, um, I see... Klobuchar and Biden as sort of being from the moderate liberal wing of the party will, uh, if Biden gets in, will that hurt her? Yeah, good question. Ken, what do you think? Well, you know, something, I mean, uh, Amy Klobuchar is a liberal Democrat. There's no question about that. But because she's not, you know, Medicare for all, because she's not uh, you know, uh, uh, signing on to the green monster deal, whatever, you know, the good, no, I'm kidding. The I'm new teasing. green but the deal. Environment, yeah. Yes, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing uh, Nancy <laughs> Pelosi here. But I mean, so I kind of think Sherrod Brown not coming in the race does help Amy Klobuchar uh, because, again, um, uh, somebody from the Midwest, the industrial Midwest, uh, somebody who could appeal to the same votes. I think it, I'm kind of stunned at the neg the, the the tone of the the articles I've been reading about Amy Klobuchar. It's, it seems to be focused, of course, on temperament and and demeanor and and you know people I I know who know her love her and yet and yet and and, and if anything they have a criticism of her is that she's not as gutsy as they would like her to be. She's a little more yes, circumspect, a little she's more very cautious. Uh, I've covered cautious, her for a yeah. long time. She's cautious. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, but if I hear one more story about her comb and her salad, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. So I don't know why she's getting such terrible press, uh. but but I think she can do better. Uh, again, you know, in the states like Iowa, New Hampshire, and we know how Minnesota voters do in Iowa. We had Walter Mondale. We you had mean Minnesota uh, we candidates. Had, um, yes, Minnesota Tim Pawlenty, right? Michelle so, Bachman. Well, yeah. Iowa, Let's stick with the Democratic side. I, Iowa has not, well, no, Ken, Iowa has not been particularly friendly to presidential would-bes from Minnesota. I think that has to be noted. Well, look, I mean, obviously, I, I think Iowans are, are as astute and, and, and smart as anybody in the country, maybe even more so because you're so inundated with candidates. I don't think it's a it's a reaction to, to Minnesota, even though Walter Mondale won like 49 percent of the caucus vote in 1984. Um, but I think it gives her a leg up. It, it is her backyard. Um, look, we'll see. I mean, she represents... In any other time, in any other era, she would be among the more liberal candidates. But in 2020, with the party moving left, with the Bernie Sanders and the Elizabeth Warrens and the Medicare for all. And of course, as we know from President Trump, the Democratic Party is filled with socialists anyway. I mean, my goodness, they picked Milwaukee as the convention city to have their, you know, as a city to have. I know, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. 
I mean, and we all know that uh, that Minnesota, that uh, Milwaukee has had three socialist mayors, <laughs> and it, it, it's held seven uh, conventions of the socialist party. So you know, it's kind of silly. But, it, no, is that but really we'll right? Seven I, conventions? I didn't know that. Starting 1932 oh gosh, with with Norman Thomas. And ending in 2016, yes, seven conventions of the Socialist Party. Super but, um, interesting, huh? Uh, okay, to the phones here to Margie in Minneapolis. Hi, Margie. What do you want to know from Ken? Hi. Well, I just wanted to know if you all feel like the media is potentially covering Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden in a much different and bigger way than all these women that are involved yes. already. It feels like they've been singled out. Yeah. Yes. Ken, I, I was thinking about this last week when I was seeing all this fawning coverage of, well, we don't know if they're getting in or not. I mean, there are candidates out there, including women candidates out there, making some very serious proposals, uh, including Elizabeth Warren. But aside from Elizabeth Warren, not getting a whole lot of coverage while America waits for Biden. This this kind of coverage well, just drives me crazy. Go ahead. I mean, look, I understand the appeal of, of Biden and why, because, because as, the, as, the, as the former vice president, he, he's, he's number one in the polls. But of course, polls 10, 11 months out before Iowa, New Hampshire are meaningless. But again, it's, it's voter recognition. But I think I, I kind of agree. I agree with Margie, what Margie is saying, especially with the Beto O'Rourke, because when you think of what he's done, yes, he's very inspiring candidate. Yes, he's the next Bobby Kennedy. I mean, I've read all these things about Beto O'Rourke. He has three terms in, in Congress from El Paso where he re- basically accomplished nothing, but he came close to beating uh, Ted, Ted Cruz. Cruz. And of course, if, yeah. if you're a Democrat and you come close to beating Ted Cruz, you love you love these guys. But but somebody says, what if Beto O'Rourke were Betsy O'Rourke? Which would everybody be, you know, with bated breath waiting for his next move? And I think that's a very fair question because you have you have Kamala Harris and you have Kirsten Gillibrand yeah. and you have Amy Klo- Overshar and and you have you know Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. Warren yeah serious not only serious candidates but serious candidates with serious proposals but Ken we but Ken we're much. we're trying to apply logic to politics and it just reinforces anew about how subjective and emotional politics is it doesn't make any sense there really is no well if this then that kind of logic. That's true, but again, what Margie's bigger point is is that it, it seems like women are still not not so much second class citizens, but second class candidates yes. because. It, it, but but maybe part of the problem is that with fifteen or fourteen or fifteen candidates already in the race, you know, how about that John Hickenlooper, right? Mm-hmm. But with all these candidates already in the race, <laughs> maybe maybe we just want you know, it's like. It's like Christmas. Like I, re- I remember my son. This was a big mistake we made, but we would get him tons and tons of presents for Christmas. <laughs> and because there were so many presents, he would open one and then go to the next box and then go to the next <laughs> box because he knew something else was there. Right. And so maybe it's with all these possible, well, we've had fourteen already running. Let's see who the next candidate is. Okay, so Ken, I just got a tweet here about what you were saying about Biden and Pence and my. Twitter person here says Biden didn't get called out for calling Pence a great guy. He got got called out for calling him a decent guy. I wasn't sure what the language was. Okay, no, that's exactly the language. Thank you for that tweet. 
Thank you for that tweet. And she said, what's decent about somebody? Yeah. And then, then Biden realized the error of his ways. And then Biden himself retweeted. And he said, there is nothing decent about opposing uh, LGBTQ uh, rights. And that, that is definitely not decent. OK. Thank what, you for that correction. One more note here before we go, Ken, from Mallory, who says, I'm tired of hearing how progressives don't want a white man for president as much as I want some uh as i want more diversity in our politicians that's not my biggest concern i want someone who can beat trump and firmly state his or her beliefs bernie has stayed on message for the decades i think she really has summed up the argument that's going on within the democratic party exactly right on exactly the argument right there you want to do you want to do you want a candidate who can uh, touch your heart and bring you all the issues that are burning inside or Do you just want to end the Democratic nightmare of Donald Trump and just beat him? And that is exactly what Democratic voters around the country are going to have to do, starting with Iowa next February. Mallory will be happy to know we'll be talking about this for the next 18 months, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Can't wait. wait. Ken, thanks much. I'll talk to you next Monday. You just heard a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. To add your voice to discussion, you can call in at 800-242-2828 or tweet us at CarrieMPR. And if you miss us live, you'll find all our shows by subscribing to this podcast. You can send us your questions or comments by emailing talk at npr.org.